Greetings and welcome to another Jesse I Interviews podcast, recorded once again on the unceded lands of the Rwindjuri and Boon-Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation. Respect where respect is due to the traditional owners and custodians of these lands. This episode features an interview with the singer and dub poet Jar Nine, recorded in Kingston back in 2012. This interview was recorded at the apartment of veteran selector and producer Rory Stonelove, who was working with Jar Nine at the time, and encouraged me to speak to her. I knew of her already, but back then she hadn't been releasing music very long, and I only really knew a few of her songs. I was glad I did this one, though. She was a pleasure to talk to, and it was great to watch her career really take off in subsequent years. As always, I'm presenting this interview as recorded, from the time I hit record right up until the time I hit stop, even including my uh, pre-interview spiel at the start. So no long talking from me, just straight into another one. Jesse I interviews Jar 9, July 2012, in Kingston, Jamaica. start right at the beginning so yeah the program I do is called Babylon Burning I've been on air for 15 years mainly roots and culture a little bit of dancehall but not too much Uh, roots and culture is my first love so can't stray too far true you don't mind if your hands in the video better if it's not but at the same time (laughs) it's better that I get the audio spot on doesn't matter. Do you want me to move? No, no, you stay right where you are. Okay. Okay. Um, I wonder if that's too loud, those guys. <laughs> yes. Rory! Shh. Let me tell it. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> on the phone? Yeah. Okay. He talks like that because he's a son, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's blown his eardrums a long time ago. Jesse yells too. Mm-hmm. Yep, on the phone especially. Okay, um, I just need to keep this in between us. Okay. You good? Yeah, okay. you can move your hand away. This way? Yeah. All right. It's got two mics like this, so I can actually hold it okay. like this. And okay. 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 So what part of Kingston is this actually? This is Kingston 10. Kingston 10. Kingston Spring Road. Yeah. Kingston famous, 8. Yeah. Isn't it Kingston 8? Kingston 10. Oh, okay. This is Kingston 10? Oh, yeah, okay. up to on top ranking. I don't know, this is where it happened, this road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where the ranking dread. That was me. Uh-huh. <laughs> is that right? Yes. No. <laughs> Aye, that's good. It was for archives. Okay. So right now I'm in Kingston 10 in Jamaica with artist by the name of Jar 9. Thank you for joining us here on Babylon Burning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes, um, I, I always like to start with uh, the beginnings of an artist. So if you can tell us where you were born, what life was like for you growing up? I was born in Falmouth, Trelawney. Well, that's where I grew up uh, for the first eight years of my life. I'm a pastor's daughter. Okay. Yeah. And um, my mother was a teacher. So, you know, educators. And in those days, you know, a country pastor is a different thing from a city pastor meaning he would be very involved in the community and he had a good relationship with the people around and you know so i grew up seeing you know good traditional examples falmouth is a very traditional part of jamaica mm-hmm. a lot of old georgian buildings a lot of old people children had respect for elders that mm-hmm. kind of thing that's how i grew up i left there when i was eight and came to kingston 
Kingston is a different culture from mm. Falmouth. They're the opposite ends of the island, you know. And it was a little bit of culture shock just coming in and things were way more relaxed and people weren't as close. So I spent a lot of time just introspecting, even as a little girl. Mm-hmm. I lost my brother when I was, like, the year that we came to Kingston. Okay. So that kind of experience, you know, moving and then that kind of tragedy kind of really put me inside myself. So I was writing a lot since I was young. I was reading when I was young, so I was writing early. And I wrote poetry, even for my brother's funeral. And so so I was Mm -hmm. always writing. But I was always singing as well. Okay. I'm like third generation singer. My parent, my mother, my sister, my grandmother Mm -hmm. sang in church and so on. So the whole experience of singing and learning harmony and learning hymns and you know it really played a big part in Mm -hmm. in my musical growth so when i came to kingston i joined my school choir went to high school joined the school choir went to university joined the the choir the chorale and um church choirs Mm -hmm. constantly and i would be singing all the parts, learning all the parts, directing if the director wasn't there. So I had an air for it. I took for granted everybody could sing and, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, I learned a lot about music from just the actual practice of it and singing it. And it was mostly traditional music and gospel music that I would sing. You know what I mean? Latin music, like the music they'll teach you in a choir. Okay. But I listened widely to instrumental dub and jazz mm. and like music that was unrelated to what I was singing right. and then there was the poetry that was also separate from the music but when I was in university I think what really pulled everything together is as I started to grow and read more about my culture and more about you know even Rastafari mm-hmm. that things really came together and then I I started to put my poetry on dub instrumentals because they gave me a lot of space you know dub is a lot of open space to just put and my lyrics were always very wordy Mm because it's from the poetry background so i just started to experiment and started to let people hear what i was experimenting with and just the response was like whoa so like cool i can do this Hmm. this is easy and at the same time i was working you know on a plantation in corporate jamaica (laughs) and I kind of, I mean, I was good at my job and I was doing really well and they wanted to continue to promote me up the ranks, but it just, I wasn't feeling that. Mm. And I mean, my body started to tell me that I just always had sinus issues or headaches or something. So it's like, you know, when the divine is speaking to you to tell you to move. And I just, he did the call to just exit. And Fortunately, I was working at the time also in the music with like Siretsi Small and Sheldon Bernard and through that collaboration because they're like heavily jazz influenced and they and Sheldon introduced me to Beris Hammond. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays keys and is kind of like a musical director for Harmony House and he let Beres hear the music and Beres invited me for a conversation and that conversation led to me putting a record together with him. So I put like 12 tracks together and they're all in post-production now <laughs> waiting. But at the same time, I met Rory and 
being able to connect with him on the level where he was just straight roots music mm -hmm. and that's really where my love was the record I was doing with Beris was very musical mm -hmm. more of the jazz influence um, which I loved also but I think because of where I was even in my spiritual journey the roots music was just calling to me and it was an easier proce process to work with a producer who was not also an artist mm -hmm. so you know what I mean he could really put his energies into me yeah and here we are. So how did you come to meet Rory to start with? Like well, uh, Gabriel Selassie is who really introduced me to instrumental dub. Okay. He has a house up in the mountains, and every Sunday night he would play dub music like all night. And I had a friend who would always go by there, and he told me, oh, come over and hear what's going on. I didn't even know Gabriel at the time. I was at this man's house, just catch up beside him, sound boxes, listening to dub. And because of the open spaces, I found myself just flowing on these rhythms. And I, got, I could sing as loud as I wanted because nobody could hear me. After a while, I, I just was like, yo, this is so easy. I really want to do this. It's so easy to express on this. And, you know, I kind of coined the, the phrase, the, the genre, jazz on dub, you know, because of the vocal style I was infusing into this dub music. And Gabri, I, I eventually met him and, you know, we had a nice little relationship. He heard the music and he was a real fan of it. And he knew Rory was looking for a female voice to go on one of his roots rhythms. Mm -hmm. That's Mr. Right, the first one okay. that I did with him. Right. And he passed on a rhythm. I put that song to it. I came and met Rory. And, you know, when the song went through, he gave me so much love for that song. He was like, you know, he was really feeling it. And I was really liking the the the, the exchange. Mm -hmm. Like, he was really easy to work with. You never know what you're going to get when you hear about people who you know of, you know. But he was so humble and so willing to, to share in the process that it was easy. And after that, we were like, let's try another one. Mm -hmm. And we did another song inner voice which is a different kind of style more upbeat world beat type sound and because it was so easy and I was coming out of that experience at Harmony House where things take a lot of time and there's a process that you know you have to go through that is separate from the music mm. but here it was just the music and we had a mutual love for it and we had a way where it was easy to communicate what I wanted with him mm -hmm. so it just happened really quickly and we said and I said to him hey let's do nine tracks I want to do nine and I have this thing where I want to everything has to be nine <laughs> <laughs> where did the name Janine come from Janine is my name is actually Janine which okay. is spelled J-A-N-I-N-E mm -hmm. but ever since I was younger my uncle would call me Janine because of the spelling mm -hmm. and then it just took on its own significance over time as you learn about you know the significance of nine and the significance of Ja so naturally. Well, speaking of the significance of Jah, I mean, it's a big transition from a pastor's daughter to Rastafari. You would think so. You would think so. But, you know, when you really look at Rastafari and the teachings of his imperial majesty, his imperial majesty was an orthodox Christian. Mm -hmm. That is different from, uh, I mean, the, the, the religion that is passed on through Catholicism. That is original mm -hmm. Ethiopian Orthodox, which is the first Christian church. And those, that's not like, you know, a lot of ceremony and rites and rites. That is within your heart. And His Majesty's teachings kind of pushed me back toward traditional 
reading the word and understanding it in a particular way and the way that you live and all of these things. So these are concepts that are very similar to what I grew up hearing and learning. Mm -hmm. And my father, when he was, before I was born, like the year that I was born, he left Poros, which is in Manchester, to move to Trelawney. And the people in Poros knew him as the Rasta pastor because he mm. would always be with the Rasta man them, on the Rasta man football team. You know what I mean? When I go back to Poros, I don't know that life, but I hear people talk about him in that way and the books that he used to read. You know what I mean? So it's almost... And I mean, he has been the most supportive of my journey in this music and my journey toward even Rastafari. And because of the relationship I've had with him, I've been able to move you know, further in my faith as a result of, you know, what I have learned. And if we are really true, like for those who are truly followers of Rastafari, they know who he is and he is the Christ. He is the same Christ that is mentioned, or that is spoken of, that the prophecy told us would return as a king, mm -hmm. as the lamb first, shed blood and sacrifice and return as king to gather the children, to gather Israel. Those are the teachings. Those are the same teachings of the word, you know? I mean, we're talking about it and it sounds like religion, but it's prophecy, it's just, you know, it's the reality. So, coming, like, putting it all together has been the journey of my life, has been the spiritual journey, and the music is a reflection of what is happening in my spirit. If you hear the music I'm making, it's, it's not really so much commercial as it is reflective of the individual experience of life. Mm. Well, looking at roots and culture music and Rastafari music, actually, it seems like around the world people are crying out for more roots and culture reggae music. But here in Jamaica, you know, dancehall, 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 24 hours a day. It's true. And what? I think it's because, you know, they take it for granted. It's so, it's ours. And so you will always take for granted what you always have. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the time also it is that as much as it is ours, our people, our young people aren't exposed to it. And there aren't a lot of avenues where you can go and hear this music. Mm -hmm. So it's all parked in some vault somewhere. And the only people who are really appreciating it are the people who are you know taking it away mm. and are listening to it and are studying it and are gaining from it constantly mm. but here there's the the tradition has changed and i mean jamaica is always about creating this music you know mm. so when they move away from the traditional way of creating the music then the music is going to change because roots music and rastafari music come out of the struggle the struggle has changed the fights have changed mm. and so there's no longer, it's not hard to get into a studio anymore. Anybody can have a studio in their house on a computer. Yep. And if you don't have anything to fight for, then you're just going to sing about what you see. And then with the, in, I mean, the media, if you think about all of the different influences and distractions that the youth have now versus back in the day when they were mu making music and really connecting with just Jamaica, the mm. land and mm -hmm. the beauty and mm. what was around them and the spiritual essence of the land. It's a different world. So you can't even blame the youths, you know what I mean? It's just the reality of life is just the cycles of life. Mm. But there is a resurgence because there are some of us who have always held on to it. What is great for me is that during that time when I would have been influenced by the dancehall culture, I was in church 
I was not going to Stone Love Session. I never know nothing about dancehall music. Mm -hmm. So it's like I just skipped a com I skipped a generation of the music. And when I really went back into the music, it was right back to roots music. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's me. And that's the story of a lot of ones to them. Just love roots music. Like that is the essence of it. The drum and bass, the bingy drum. Like you can't help but feel that. And so I don't think that it's that they aren't even as interested. I think it's that them just not know. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to a session first night, as I was telling you, and the ones them when they heard the music, you know, when the right selector is playing and knows, because selecting is a science too, and it's a way to really evoke emotion, just yeah. like the preachers do it and the politicians True. do it. The selectors know how to do it too. And when, the, you know what I mean, that selector, when Rory was putting those songs together, I watched the crowd, I watched the energy lift and rise, and I watched the people become alive. And those are people who are not listening to that music all the time. But when you give it to them, it does its work because it is for healing. You know what I mean? Those are all people who probably are on their, their, their grind, their nine to five, and they come out and they want to just drink and feel nice. But those people were into the music. They weren't just into socializing, and that is how you know it's making an impact. And it wasn't the daggering, or it wasn't the hypersexuality of the dancehall culture either. It was people just really connecting with sound. And then you have music from ones like Bob Marley. Everybody loves Bob Marley, but ones don't really remember the essence of Bob Marley's message was love and was, I mean, as much as him have the revolutionary music, it was love and it was that Hail Selassie is the Almighty. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when you listen to the music of those who have those messages, that is where you find the real essence of roots music. That is what I have found. You know? What about uh, poetry? I mean, poetry has a, a long history in Jamaica, and you have yeah. people like Muda Baruka, you know, mm -hmm. that have been mm -hmm. famous for, for many exactly. years. True. So what about fitting into that tradition, the, the poetry side of things? That's the tradition that I started with. I was known as a poet before even as a singer, mm. like on the, on the entertainment, so to speak, scene. Mm -hmm. Because I would write and I would just, you know, it wasn't so much dub poetry for me, though. It was traditional poetry. But I was exposed to the dub poetry because it was just one scene. It was mm -hmm. one poetry scene. And that's where you kind of, you hone, you know, the, the ability to, to write what you feel and to pull from your experiences. So the process of writing is, for me, about poetry. And so Mutabaruka is one. I mean, you have ones like Dingo. You have a lot of young poets coming up now. You have the uh, the older ones like Oko Onora. Mm -hmm. And these people, when you see them expose themselves with their work like that, it inspires you to do the same. It, it enlivens you even without music. And you have ones like, uh, like Mbala, who plays like 20 different percussion instruments with all of his body while he's doing his poetry. And all of that is just, I mean evidence of how alive these people are and full to the brim you know what i mean and that is really inspiring that is really inspiring i have a show in the uk in a couple of weeks that will feature myself and muta baruka and um the abyssinians mm. and linton quasi johnson wicked sounds like one hell of a show trust me I am most honored to be in. But you look at that show now and then you look at there are like eight or more different days of shows. And you have shows where you have the dancehall acts, you have some reggae acts and you mm -hmm. have, you know what I mean? And you know that those shows are going to get at. Well, you can't really know because this is the UK. I've never been to the UK, so I might very well be surprised. 
But if I look at that lineup and I superimpose it into Jamaica, mm-hmm. my nights would probably get the least people. You know what I mean? As opposed to the nights with Damien Marley and Taurus mm-hmm. Riley and all of these things. And no no discredit or disrespect to those artists who do their work too. But I, I'm very honored that they've placed me among the poets. You know? That right. is... That is and it's dope it's music. To yeah. yeah, definitely. Roots. So what uh, what does the future hold? What do you have in store for us? Well, more music. And in addition to music, because the album is coming out in November of this year, Preja. Mm-hmm. And um, the single New Name, I don't know if you've heard it, we'll let you yep. hear it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I've um, heard it. You've heard it. Trust right. So that is the title of the album as well. And we're pushing that. We're pushing that single in particular. And we, we've done the video for it. And we are just trying to get that word out. And everything else, just send that along with it. And there's, for me, there's that record that will inevitably come out. Maybe next year, maybe five years from now. Maybe I'll take it for myself and redo it. You know what I mean? But it's just making music. The creative process is happening all the time. Mm. You know what I mean? You go and you link with some other musicians, you sit and you reason and you steam in chalice and inspiration just forward. So you just make a note of it and you know, you you humble yourself to the opportunities when they come. And um at the same time I do a lot of um I do a lot of free work in this country. All the skills that I had in corporate Jamaica, I'm pretty much giving them away for free now. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the in the inner city communities and working with the youth and I'm with this mixtape project that I did, it's kind of twofold because I'm kind of collaborating with a publishing house that publishes um, books that have, uh, for a long time, they were banned in Jamaica. But they, they've brought some of those books back and books about culture and heritage and so okay. on. And I've infused some quotes from some of the better authors like His Imperial Majesty and Marcus Garvey and Walter Rodney into the mixtape. So like the dub version you heard of Legitimate, mm-hmm. I'd have Walter Rodney's speech, co- you know, right. playing over mm-hmm. it and so on. Infused with some bits and pieces from songs and so just to encourage the youth to read because they're not going to read. So you give them a little snippet of that's what the book is saying. Maybe I should take it up, you know, whatever we can do, because literacy is a big issue. I also work with Manifesto Jamaica, which is a youth-led organization. And we're going into the inner city and all over Jamaica, specifically targeting youth, trying to, you know, use the arts to empower the youth Mm -hmm. and to kind of all of these issues like violence mitigation and... I mean, we're just trying to get youths to express themselves because at the root of it, it's just people just have all of this pent up inside of them and if they don't find a positive and productive way to express this it's going to be a destructive force so myself and some other colleagues you know we started this organization and we kind of every year we put on a festival at the end of the year and we have like advocacy initiatives through the year so I'm a director I'm responsible for advocacy so I'm always keeping an eye out as to what's going on and what's going to affect and how we can collaborate with other organizations. So there's that work that I'm very much enthused about, as well as music, which is life, (laughs) as well as yoga. I'm a yoga instructor too, and I'm really trying to spend some time on that. But right now, yoga has taken a backseat, like the teaching of it to just finishing this record and because I have to go on the road a bit. But the intention is to be on the road and bring all of these things that I'm doing as part of the package to kind of bring the message to the world, connect with the different Rastafari community 
around the world and kind of just build mm -hmm. and teach and grow because it can we have to improve upon what our elders left for us and Bob Marley set the foundation Bob Marley and others like him set the foundation of work with your band live music respect musicians mm -hmm. rehearse every day don't run out and don't know what you're doing kind of thing you know what I mean put the most high first and we have to take that now and bring it to the world and build it the people and let it not just be entertainment, but let it be presentations of information and education and love. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because Rastafari is not necessarily about burning fire. And, you know what I mean? Rastafari is liberation from all of those things. It's peace. That is the message that His Majesty brought. There was a time when it was, you know what I mean? There was a time when it was war. And if you say Rasta, your teeth get kicked out and your locks get cut off. Mm -hmm. But those elders who suffered through that in Coral Gardens and before that, I mean, it would be an insult to them if we were still struggling and fighting right now. Because we are, I mean, people can wear locks for style now. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for us right now, the important thing is just to express that love and the example of His Majesty. One other thing I wanted to ask. I mean, reggae music, dancehall music is a very male-dominated industry. Sure. Certainly in terms of performers, the females are very outnumbered. But even within the females performing, yeah. roots and culture artists are even smaller minority. So why aren't there more women singing roots and culture music? I know. I agree. Why aren't there more? I can only speak by myself, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no... If I'm going to do music, it's going to be this kind of music. Certainly right now. Whatever I branch off into later on... Who knows? But right now, I'm moving off of that inspiration. And that's the kind of music that has inspired me. I find, I think, I mean, I can only assume that the re it's economics why other people do other things because this is certainly not the most profitable way to approach, yeah. an, a, you know, a business. Mm -hmm. But um, you have to be true to yourself. That is the lesson of Jamaican musicians. Be true to yourself. That is how reward comes. And you are not reward. And the industry is not going to reward me. It's the most I going to reward me. Because I'm not making no money yet. But mm. I feel so blessed to be able to get up every morning and do what I love. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've, I've already won. I'm not waiting on a retirement settlement when I'm old and I can't enjoy it. You know what I mean? So it's a blessing to do roots and culture music. Yeah. And it's male dominated. But you see, if you're in the dance, like in other genres, it may be hard for women. Like, I don't find it hard at all. Like, Rasta people are the warmest people in the world. I'm doing roots and culture music. People are embracing me everywhere I go. People are feeding me. And that is always great. It's wonderful. I tell food all the time. Good reasoning. Enough herbs. Enough, you know what I mean? Positive energy. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're going to be a woman, it's roots and culture really that are going to help nurture you. You know what I mean? All right. Well, is there any uh, message you'd like to wrap up for the people back in Australia? Boy, I hear enough things about Australia still. I am looking forward to being there and to experiencing it for myself. And I hear that there is, I know that around the world, there is the need for reggae music. I see how people of all nations respond to it. Mm -hmm. So I know that it is important. And I know that the work that I am doing, I am a servant and a vessel. And I don't expect that I'm coming to, you know, give anybody anything. I'm coming to learn as well and to share an experience. So I'm looking forward to sharing with Australia and, you know, seeing what our brothers and sisters on that side of the world really have to say about life. Mm -hmm.
You know what I mean? Because if you love reggae music, you know, if you have that in common with anybody, then there are certain things you can almost take for granted. And that is that these people are moving toward the most high within themselves. All right, John and thank you for joining us here on Babylon Burning. Yes, I keep burning Babylon. <laughs> okay. Nice one. Janine speaking to me from the apartment of Rory Stonelove, Kingston 10, Jamaica, back in 2012. Interestingly, I don't believe those early recordings with Beres Hammond's Harmony House label ever were released. I think she realised that was a possibility even back then, as she didn't sound 100% happy with them. If you enjoyed this podcast and you feel like supporting it, please check out the Patreon link in the show notes. There's a range of patron options, and Patreon now supports sponsorship in Australian dollars, which may be of interest to my local listeners. If you're not in a position to become a patron but still want to support the thing, please leave me a positive review on whatever podcast app you use and, of course, tell any other friends who might be big enough reggae fans in order to listen to this sort of stuff. On that note, big shout-out to the Don Armageddon time, the Real Generals Empress Irie and Ben Comerford, and the Idrons Todd Solomon, John from Champion Sound, and Tom Tanuki. Thanks for listening. More love, more life. Eyes is every time. And the purpose to create From a mind unconfined That is designed to calculate Intuiting of the essence Awareness of the presence of the whole Beyond each individual part Master of the mind space Mason of the landscape With intelligence she access from the heart A spiritual woman is the greatest threat To the status quo 